0: Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by The Building Christian Fellowship. At The Building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. I don't know who lied to you, but I'm here to undo that lie, because worship is a sacrifice. Sacrifice will cost you something. If it ain't costing you nothing, and I like the way some people say, if it don't hurt, it ain't a sacrifice. And you want a sacrifice to be a sweet-smelling Savior unto the Lord's nostrils. And anything the Lord is able to breathe in, you better believe he's going to breathe out. What happens when God breathes? He makes things come to life. I know some of y'all got some dead situations in here that need to come back to life. You got some Lazarus situations in your life right now. You, and you, you running around trying to say a prayer and get everybody to pray for you, and it's just, just to come to your worship. God, I'm going to do something that's acceptable unto you, which is worship. I'm going to sacrifice something in my life for you and to you. God's going to smell it. He's like, hmm, that smells good. Same way he... He looked at man, and when he saw man, he said it was good the way that he made him. He breathed, he breathed the breath of life into man, and he became a living soul. That's what God wants to do for some of us this morning. He's moving. Listen, saints, if we ain't growing, I, I'd love to think of a word that rhymes with it for it to sound good, but if you ain't growing, you're dying. If you're not growing, in your relationship with God, your relationship with God is dying. There is no standstill. Listen to me very carefully. If your relationship is at the same level it was last year with God, it's a dying relationship. That's a gray area. Well, I'm at the same. No. You're either hot, or cold. What does God do with lukewarm stuff? Mm, Man, y'all preach. (laughs) Amen. Amen. You guys ready for the word this morning? Okay. Well, first of all, good morning, everybody. Didn't mean to jump on y'all so early. (laughs) Buenos dias a todos. (laughs) Hoy la palabra de Dios es del Antiguo Testamento, abre tus Biblias para uh, 2 Samuel, oh, 2 Samuel, 6, 1-7. Sorry, good morning everybody, today's word is going to come from the Old Testament. We're going to go to 2 Samuel, chapter 6. I read this, I just want to let you guys know something. I, I, I have to, there's things that I hear, you know, I, I get on social media and I listen to a lot of people and I listen to what a lot of Christians say. And I, I just have to warn you now before it becomes big, before it gets to you, if it hasn't already into, gotten to you. Listen, Jesus said, it was written of me. Jesus is found in the volume of a book. This book is the Bible from Genesis to Revelations, is Jesus. You cannot take away anything from the Bible. I don't want to hear people say, well, that's the Old Testament. It, we don't need that. You need the whole Bible. Yeah, that's, that's what was, was told to Ezekiel, eat the whole scroll, then go feed my people. He's telling you, you better get something first before you try to go out and teach it. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to take parts of the Bible and say, well, this is for us today. That that wasn't for us back then. We're trying to get something that's for us today, and then we're going from there, and we're cutting the Bible up. The Bible was never meant for you to cut up and only serve part of it. We as Christians got to believe that the Bible itself is infallible, inerrant. It is whole, complete. Not broken, nothing missing. It's everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. If there's something in the Bible that you can't explain, don't call it an error. It's just an error in your understanding. You can't discern it yet because you're carnally trying to discern something spiritually. And the Bible says that the carnal mind is an entity against God. It means your mind, natural thinking, goes against what God's thinking is spiritually. Come on, guys. So I'm going to be coming from the Old Testament maybe for the next couple of weeks. I don't know. Whatever God decides. We're going to teach this word today, and I pray that you guys will leave here dead. 2 Samuel 6 1 through 7. Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel. 30,000, that would preach right there, all the chosen men, because not all men can go. Anyway, and David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. It's like Uber. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanied the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments, made of fir wood, even on harps, and on psalteries, and on timbrels, and on cornets, and on cymbals, and there were maracas, and there was... Yes. And when they came to Nachan's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen had shook it, and the anger... Of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Mantenga su mano fuera del negocio de Dios. Keep your hand out of God's business. That sounds like a title right there, but it ain't. That ain't the title today. Looking at our text, one will begin to question, Mirando nuestra escritura, podrias pregunta, Why would God kill Uza for trying to help? Porque Dios mataría a Uza por tratar de ayudar. After all, the ark was about to fall off the cart, right? El arca estaba a punta de casa del carro. You guys think God is so touchy about his stuff that he would kill a man just for trying to help? Come on. Or maybe, maybe Uzza was so busy looking at a natural circumstance that he missed God's plan for a supernatural breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otra vez, Uzzah solo vio las circunstancias naturales y perdio el plan De Dios para un advance espiritual. Espiritu, espiritual. Woo! Yes. How you get that out of there? Yes. Espiritual. You got it? you getting it? you it? Sometimes, saints, sometimes we see trouble about to befall people. And we are so quick to come running and become, and running to somebody's rescue and become their savior. We Christians, we got it in our minds. We're supposed to help everybody. Well, first of all, let me tell you something. God is the only Savior. Yes. Dios es el único Salvador. We are only the life vest that he throws out to people drowning in a sea of sin. See, you know, sometimes we like to take credit when you know, you, you shouldn't take credit at all. You didn't save anybody. If somebody's out drowning, you throw out the, they call a little dinghy, little round thing, the lifesavers, and you throw it out to somebody, and when you throw it out to them, they grab it. Wouldn't it be funny that the dinghy got up and talked about how he just saved the person? No, the dinghy didn't save nobody. It's the person that threw it out there. See, God throws you out there to save somebody. You're just a tool but we want to take credit for it. So having people in there are I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos. No, you're of Jesus Christ. See, the problem that we have is we look at the outcome and not the process. Miramos el resultado y no el proceso. We get so focused on the harvest that we don't consider the sowing. There is a reason why things happen to people. Hey, una razón por la que las cosas la pasan a las personas. 10% of things that happen to people is just life. 90% of things that happen to people is because of what you sown. We don't want to think that. 10%. All people, good or bad, people say, "Why do bad things happen to good people? Because the Bible says this clearly: it rains on the just as well as the unjust. A man born of a woman is yet just a few moments and full of trouble. It, it, there's trouble's going to hit you somehow some way. Jesus even said it. there 're going to be problems in this world you 're going to have some issues, but don 't worry because i 've overcome them. So we know the good things are going to happen to good people. But but the the problem is we don't realize that's just 10%. 90% of the stuff that's happening to us and people we see is because of bad decisions or a group of bad decisions and choices that we've made. And I have to say this to you because the Bible says that God is not mocked. Dios no se burla. For whatever a man soweth, lo que el hombre siembra, that shall he also reap. También cosechara. If God's not going to be mocked, that means don't think something ain't going to happen to you when you make a bad choice. My goodness, the world is full of it now. You look, look at the abortion situation, you made a choice. And people want to make decisions based upon Yes, I'm going to talk about it. People want to sit down and talk about well, what about the young women that are are raped and what what but what, uh, incest that happens. It's less than 10%. I think it's closer to 1% of 1%. But we want to make a choice. We want to argue the fact over 1% of 1% when 99.9% of abortions are because of bad decisions. I don't want to take responsibility for being irresponsible. You can't say what you're going to do to a woman's body. What about the child? I'm a defender of the innocent as a child of God. I speak for those that can't speak for themselves. And that child, when God said, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, there is no accident. I don't know, and I'm not going to say anything. Maybe out of incest or rape, maybe, maybe, you know, and I know it's probably a hard burden to bear. I can't speak it because I ain't been there, but I do know one thing, that all things can work together for good. I'm just trying to tell you, if you believe in the word of God, that God, God, there's no accidents you may have caused. You didn't you didn't want this to happen to me, but you're going to turn something ugly that was meant to destroy me to turn it out for my good. Just trying to help you, trying to get you to think like Christians. God is not mocked. Have you guys ever been like Uzzah, though, and seen somebody struggling in some area of their life? and you feel for them, you feel bad, you see them struggling, you see them suffering, and then you reach out your hand to steady their cart. The problem is we're trying to stop a harvest from coming to that person who has sown some bad things. Remember, God said, I won't be mocked. Having compassion isn't wrong, but not discerning the situation could be fatal could be fatal. It was fatal for Uzzah. Uzzah did something good. He saw that the ox shook the cart, and he's like, I need to help God. You didn't catch it. I need to help God. It's funny how you start thinking about yourself more highly than you ought. So many times we want to do something good, but what our good is in God. Do you understand the difference? You may have good intentions, but they may not be God intentions. If you guys look at it, you know, I'm all into metaphors and everything. It said the ox shook the cart, which means the ox, and I need you to keep this in your mind for later, ox, are, it's a symbol of work. The ox shook the cart because they were working, which means God was getting ready to do something. There was a reason for the shaking of the presence of God. But because somebody didn't spiritually discern that, they tried to interrupt the move and the working of God, and guess what? It's said God got angry. Now, little back, little background of the story, because you're like, why? I mean, they touched the ark. It is in the law, Levitical law, that no person can touch any of the tools that work that are, are for inside of the temple, nobody can touch them unless you're a Levite. Levites are priests, okay? Levites are, are part of the tribe of Israel, one of the 12 tribes who God had called out and separated them to be priests of the house of God. Nobody was supposed to touch anything in there. If it was, it would be considered unholy. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was considered the place where the presence of God was kept. The Ark of the Covenant was removed from out of Jerusalem because somebody did something stupid and and the enemy came and took away the presence of God and Jerusalem was out the presence of God. But guess what? Jerusalem gets it back under King David. King David sends out his mighty men, sends out some Levites to pick up the Ark of God and bring it back to where it belongs and amongst the people of God in Jerusalem. And on its way back, somebody, Decided they was going to help God. Like I said earlier, having compassion isn't wrong, but dis- discerning, not discerning the situation could be fatal. God could be trying to do something in that person's life, and because you're not discerning the situation, God might have to cut off your hands to keep you out of his business. I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen people people that are prosperous, good Christians, obedient Christians, and they, and they have plenty of money, and there's people that always end up in money situations, you know, some magical reason that they're always broke, bills ain't paid, light bills ain't paid. You guys, it sound familiar about any of your friends? Maybe even you. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's because somebody's compassionate and they have the, the gift of, of, of benevolence, They start dishing out money to these people. So what they're doing is stopping what God said. God said, I won't be mocked. So all of a sudden, because you keep dishing out money, now the person that's faithful in his tithing, faithful in his giving, faithful in his serving is not discerning the situation. God's going to cut off his supply to stop him from letting this person reap a harvest of something that they sown. I've seen people go, man, I don't understand what's happening. Man, I used to have business after business after customer lined up, all of a sudden it just stopped like, who you been helping? Did you even pray and ask God? Just because you got it doesn't mean you got to give it. You better ask the Lord. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you guys around here be like, this is a side note. We get people around here, and, and it happens sometimes, you know. PG&E, lights get cut off, you're short money, and, and can't pay rent, stuff like that. People come to the church. This is the funniest thing to me. They come to the church, and like, you guys are serving, you guys give, and all that, and you say, look, we need a little help. I'm like, okay, not a problem, but before we can help you, there's this plan that we got to go through. We're going to send you to some financial counselors, and go ahead and bring your bills so we can see what you've been spending your money on. Why? I don't understand why you're short all the time. You, it'd be funny how people just back out because they, they don't want no help. They just want money. But see, here at the building, I'm not going to let somebody sewing and me going to help you have God cut our hands off. I'm just telling you. You can be mad at me if you want. i have one person mad at me, but three other hundred people be glad. <laughs> Funny part about this is, Uzzah, I think about him, and I feel bad for the guy. he was just trying to help. He was just trying to help. He was so busy ministering and working for the Lord, maybe that was his problem. Maybe he thought working for God was enough to save him. Maybe he was saying, God, I served in your house, and God, I cast out demons in your name, and I healed in your name. But when it came to touching the presence of God, God said, depart from me, because I know you not. A lot of us think that our, our salvation is in our work for God. It isn't. Poor Jehovah Witnesses, they're working for nothing. they out there knocking on doors getting calluses. <laughs> you guys, why are you talking about them? Because I believe in the Bible, yes. and I can talk about that because there's a false doctrine sending people to hell. Amen. It's not by your works. It is by grace that you are saved, not by works lest any man can boast. Come on, it's Scripture. Uza reminds me of another person that we found in the Bible, and that person that we can all say is Peter. Love Peter. Peter's a good dude. Peter messes up a lot. I'm going to connect the pieces of the puzzle for you. Remember in Matthew chapter 16, 21, Jesus began to tell all the disciples. He prophesied uh, what was about to happen to him when he returned to Jerusalem, all the things and many things that he had to suffer, and he was going to be crucified. And Peter turns around and tells Jesus, I ain't going to let that happen. Ain't no way, Jesus. I'm your dude. I'm your ride or die. Ain't nothing going to happen to you. You know what Jesus said to him? Well, first of all, let me say this. This is what Peter was saying. He didn't know what he was saying. Peter was saying this. I'm about to throw a monkey wrench in God's program. Because he didn't spiritually discern what Jesus was saying. Then Jesus turns around and has to say this in Matthew 16, 23. This is bad when Jesus has to talk to you like this, okay? Jesus turned, which means he he did like this. Jesus was probably walking. He said, man, I ain't going to let that happen to you, Jesus. And it says, and Jesus turned. You got to read the script, right? It said, Jesus turned. So obviously he was walking like. He said he turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Jesus was saying, Peter, you see calamity that is about to happen, but you're not seeing the design of the calamity. Jesus had to die that the presence of God could remain with us for eternity. You guys ever wonder when when Jesus, when Jesus sat down, he goes with the bread, and he goes, This is my body, which is broken for you. A lot of us don't get that revelation. Broken, okay, you got beat. Do you realize in order to get to what's inside an egg, you got to break an egg open? So what was inside the fleshly body of Jesus was him, the presence. It was God. And that body had to be broken open so that he could be everywhere all the time instead of just in one place and one time. He's an omnipresent God. He said, I want to be with you. That's why he said, I will be with you low always, even till the end of the earth. But I, my body has to be broken and my blood must be shed. The body was broken for the presence and the blood was shed for remission of sin. In order for the presence of God to show up, there has to be a death. For God to manifest his blessings upon your life, something has to die. If you want the presence of God in your marriage, you're gonna have to die in your marriage. If you want the presence of God to show up in your finances, you're gonna have to die in your finances. If you want the presence of God to just show up in your life, then you are gonna have to die in your life. I'm not talking about a physical death, I'm talking about it's always about you and your comfort. So many of us want the presence of God, but we ain't willing to do what we need to do to get the presence. We want to serve God from a place of convenience. I love what Donald says. Donald's doing this new thing. It's in the chisel, and he says this. He goes, you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Do you guys realize that every time Jesus told somebody to follow him, that he, had, he told them, you got to deny yourself first? Because there's a difference between following me and walking behind me. See, we think following means like on Facebook. I'm going to follow you. No, you're just watching me. There's a difference between watching and following following means imitate. And if Jesus gave up his life, why aren't we? We call ourselves Christians, which means Christ like. So if we're going to have Christ's likeness, then we have to suffer like Christ did. Wherein has he died? Because of Uzzah's death, you guys listen, the ark of the Lord remained in the land and the presence of God fell upon a house of a man named Obed, Edom. And the Bible declares that the whole house of Obed was blessed. If there's no death, then the presence of God wouldn't have remained. I want you guys to take a look. I want you to see what happened. I'm going to break this down for you. you, guys, you guys, we're going to walk out of here dead today. We're going to be the walking dead. 2 Samuel 6.10. It says, so David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. I just need to break something down for you first. The ark of the Lord was supposed to be kept in a temple. But for somehow and some reason, David decided to put the ark in somebody's house. The presence of God, the way we think, belongs in a church, a temple. But God says, my intent for my presence isn't just for the temple. My my intent for the presence is to be in your house. See, we we miss out on these little nuggets that God is trying to tell us. Now, what's very interesting is in Hebrew, the name for Obed-Edom means worshiper of Edom. So, Obed-Edom, he was a Gittite, a dweller of Gath in the land of the Philistines, and he was a Gentile. You guys listen. Most commentary says this, that Obed-Edom was a convert. He converted to David's religion. And Obed-Edom means worshiper of Eden because he was known as a worshiper, David entrusted Obed-Edom... With the Ark of the Covenant in his house. Because Obed was known as a worshiper, God created a situation that the presence of God would remain in Obed's house. How many people know that when your life is a life of worship to God, God will entrust you with things you don't even deserve? God will put favor in your life. He'll put finances in your hand. He'll put healing in your body even though when you're considered a wreck, when you're considered an outcast, even though you're considered a dog, and even though you're considered unclean, when you convert to a worshiper of the only one and living true God, God will make a way for his presence to fall upon your household. But you gotta be a worshiper. Have to be a worshiper. I like it when it says, because first of all, David, you got to understand, David understood where the presence of God was supposed to be. But David recognized something. And I like this. When when, when somebody died, something happened with David. I I like, because David got away with a lot of stuff that other people were killed for. It's a whole whole other preaching thing. It's because, because you guys know what the seed of David is? Jesus Christ. So the seed of David is Jesus Christ. Inside him, he already had Christ in him. And so he was able to get away with priestly things like wearing an ephod, like eating the show bread, like going into the temple. He was able to do things that that his predecessor was killed for. So watch this. So David, for some reason, because any king would do this, man, I need to hurry up and get the ark, the presence of God, back to Jerusalem in a safe place in the temple because we got the temple ready. Get it back here before somebody else dies. Because somebody else is going to reach and touch it. But, 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 but remember, the ox shook the cart. Because God is working on something. David discerned it. And David said, we need to keep this here. See, naturally, we, we need to get this out of here. Somebody cover up the body. But he said, no, something's happening here. Now, naturally... When we're in church, you would try to pick one of the ministers to take care of something. He didn't choose a Levite. He didn't choose uh, somebody from Judah. He didn't choose a Benjamite. He didn't choose anybody else. He didn't choose uh, any of the other, uh, uh, nobody from Manasseh, nobody from the other tribes that were Jews, that were from Israel. He didn't choose anybody, but something in his heart said, I'm going to choose a guy who is named worshiper of Eden. I'm going to choose his house. No, he doesn't have a big wall around his house. He doesn't have guards around his house. But there's one thing that I know he does have. He has a heart after God. So I'm going to let the ark stay at his house. Because the presence of God... (laughs) Obed Eden didn't have to run out to find the presence. Because he was a worshiper, the presence found him. Oh, 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 let me take you over to John chapter 4 when Jesus was walking. And and as Jesus was walking, he got tired. And he says, I have need to go to a place that no other Jews go. I'm going to Samaria. Jews and Samaritans don't get along, okay? This is like 1958 Mississippi and black folks and white folks. There's just parts of town that you just don't go to. There are people you don't talk to. There are people you don't look at. And the Jews and the Samaritans were the same way. Okay, they worship the same God, but they believe in worship in two different places. On one, worshiped uh, the Samaritans worship in Mount Gerizim, and, and the Jews worship in Jerusalem. They both had their different interpretations of the Torah. Uh, the, the 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 Samaritans did sacrifices without priests. The uh, the the Israelites believe you had to have priests to make sacrifices. So there was this big uh, racism thing going on. You wouldn't even go through Samaria. Caught dead as a Jew going through Samaria, they would they would have to get to Galilee. They Would make a left, go over the Jordan River, walk 25 miles, and then make a right back over the Jordan River to get to Galilee. They would not go through Samaria, but Jesus said, I have need to go to Samaria. So he goes to Samaria because he goes to Samaria, he sits down at a well. It's Jacob's well. You guys know who Jacob is? Israel in Samaria. So he sits, it's the hottest part of the day, six hours a day. Jesus sits down. And he sits down, and all of a sudden, here comes this woman to get some water. Funny thing, people don't come at the hottest part of the day to get water. This woman, because usually this well is Jacob's well. It's like the Starbucks of its time because everybody comes in the morning, gets their water, hangs out, drinks a little water, talks, blah, 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 and they go. Because, you know, they meet there, right? So, So just watch this, watch this. But this woman doesn't go during that time because she's a woman of shame. So she's going to go when nobody else is there. So she went, but see, she didn't realize that somebody knew she was going to be there. So Jesus was sitting there, and Jesus waited. when she pulled up on Jesus, she sits down, and Jesus looks at him, and he goes, give me some water. And she looks at him and goes, first of all, (laughs) how be it you being a Jew talk to me, a woman that's Samaritan? You know you Jews have no dealings with us Samaritans. And she said, uh, <clears throat> if you would have known who you was talking to, you would have asked me for a drink of water. But she didn't discern yet. See, she hadn't caught on yet. So then she turns around. She goes, I, okay, I don't get it. You, this well is deep, and you ain't got nothing to draw from. How are you going to give me some water? He said, Woman, if you drink from this well, you will never thirst again. For the water that I will give you is living water. And from out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. She's like, Oh, okay. Hallelujah. You guys know the whole story. And then she went on and, and said that, Man, oh my God. She goes, she goes I got to run and tell. you. he says, Yeah, go tell your husband. She said, Well, I ain't got a husband. He said, You answered well. I was just seeing what you was going to say. You got five husbands, and the one you're living with now, you ain't even married to. Watch this. You guys got to watch this. Then, Then the Bible declares that she perceived he was a prophet. You guys watch this. It's funny when you have a conversation with God how your perception changed. When you truly have a conversation with God, it will change your perception of how you look at him. Because some of y'all right now are doing like some of his family, just seeing Jesus as he's he's just the son of God, uh, he's just the son of David, and not realizing he is God, he is the savior of this world, and he's your savior personally. You need to have a conversation with him so you could perceive that he is the Messiah. So anyway, make a long story short, before she runs off, she wants to have a little quick talk with him. She says, well, look, Rabbi, you know, it's weird. You know, I believe you're the Messiah, but um, you Jews, you believe that you're supposed to worship in Jerusalem, but us Samaritans, we believe we're supposed to worship in Mount Gerizim. And Jesus says, there's going to come a time where it doesn't matter where you worship because God is seeking worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. See, we never put all that together. It's what Jesus said. Look, my presence isn't just going to be in Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. There's going to come a time at my death that my presence will be wherever a true worshiper is. Some of us in here have been trying hard to find God. Some of us in here have been preaching and praying and asking God to show us your presence. God said, no, if you just worship me, I will find you because I am seeking such a one to worship me. But there has to be a death. There has to be a death. Jesus said this is my body which is broken for you. And when it, his body was broken, it was it allowed the presence. When the when the When the veil was rent, which represented the flesh, which represented the breaking of Jesus' body, it gave access to the throne room so that his presence can be everywhere, that we can go boldly before the throne or we can pray and praise and God's presence will come upon us. There has to be a death. If you want the presence of God, praise God. In my closing, Uzzah wasn't a man being punished for touching the ark. Uzzah's death was the release for the presence of God. God is calling for all of us to reach out, touch the ark, and die so that he could release the presence of God upon our lives. Jesus said this, any man seeking to save his life, will lose it. But if any man will lose his life for my sake, the same shall be saved. Saints, we got to start growing in Christ. And as we're growing in Christ, that means we got to die more to ourselves. God, if, if you're alive in your own self, God can't use you. Have to say, God, fill me. It's like, you know, we want to hold on to everything and all what we're about and everything that we got to do and go, God, use me. God, I want to be used. God, fill me up. And, and, and I, you know what? I can even say this. A lot of us in here are searching to get filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But you know what? It's kind of hard to share a one-room apartment. You're so full of you, you can't be full of anything else. There's so many times and I've seen people come to me, Pastor, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled. I want to be on fire. I want to be filled with this fire. Can you help me? I'm like, no. You got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me. You know, Christ ain't asking you to pick up a cross just to walk around and look strong. The cross is for crucifixion. You're carrying a cross to end up killing yourself on it. I'm not talking about a natural death. I'm talking about a death to self and my will and what I want to do and what my life looks like. And woe is me, what's going on with me and what's happening and all this stuff. God says, nah, Jesus was our example in the garden of Gethsemane. I don't know about you. There's some things that have happened to me in my life. And happening to me in my life that I, I I go I get people to pray for me and I go off by myself and I begin to pray God I don't want to do this I see what's before me I don't want to deal with this heart disease I don't want to deal with the, the with the with the paranoia and the in the in the, the and all the mind games and everything I don't want to deal with it but nevertheless not my will be done but your will be done because I know if if you're going to put me through this, you'll give me the grace to get through it. And the more, look, the more I surrender, because the first time I prayed that, nothing happened. Some of y'all witness. Some of y'all asking God why. I'll surrender. We sang the song, I'll surrender. But after you say I surrender, nothing happens, because you're just now speaking it. But faith cometh by hearing in hearing the word of God. So as you begin to prophesy and hear yourself, you're starting to build your faith up. You start to build your faith up. The more you get down on your knees and say it out loud, God, I don't want to do this. I'm scared at the thought of this. God, I'm lonely. God, I don't want to be alone. God, I don't want to be sick. God, I don't want to go through these treatments. God, I don't want to go through this divorce. God, I don't want to go through any of this. But nevertheless, your will be done. That's dying to yourself. That's the death. That's the death. And then, the, you, know, you know, as you die, you know, Jesus died to himself before he died on the cross. Because he gave up his will. That's a death. And then he gave up his life on the cross. So when you give him, say, now my lesson, you pick up your cross and you walk to Galgotha and You lay down. And I just hate to tell you this. It's gonna take people to nail you to the cross. It's not gonna happen by yourself. Gonna be people you don't like, some people you love because, just to let you guys know, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The people that were nailing Him to the cross, He loved. Never thought about that, huh? God is telling us to deny ourselves, to die give up our own life and our own will so that God's will could be done in our life so that the presence of God will manifest not just in the temple but in our homes I want to close with this men got men of God in here some men of God in here I want you to see what it says it said because of Obed Edom a man who wasn't a Jew He's a man that, something just crossed my mind. I said I was going to close with this, but I got one more thought. Sorry. Do you know, David, David, before I'm going to get into this one, do you realize that David didn't call upon anybody in the house of Israel? You know why? Because sometimes when we come to church, we get just so used to doing church stuff, we get religious and doing it. It happens. We get here, we, we come in, and we, we, we get, it's a routine. Every Sunday. And because we get in the routine of it, it becomes normal. And it's not, we don't do it on purpose, but it happens. It just becomes a lifestyle. And it's not true worship. But Obed-Edom was a true worshiper. I believe he worshipped and was thankful for much. So you guys didn't catch that. You can't be a thankful person when you're complaining about everything. Complaining about your situation. Complaining about how much money you make. Complaining about the car you drive. Complaining about where you live. Complaining about your church. Complaining about what the church ain't doing. But when you start getting thankful, you'll start learning to worship. Man, God. My son and I was driving the other day, and and I saw this man walking down the street. It looked like he was talking to himself, and all of a sudden he just put his hands up and went, And it struck me at that point in time. I said, this dude is just walking down the street worshiping the Lord. I rolled down my window. I was like, praise him! (laughs) That's where we ought to be at. I just believe he's just walking. He might be sick. He might have got some bad news from the doctor. He's like, you know what, God? Thank you. I'm just able to walk right now. I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to say thank you. Man, look outside. The, the, the birds are chirping. The dogs is barking. Thank you that I'm here to hear them, Lord. Praise God. Kids getting on my nerves, but you know what? Thank God that I, they're alive and I can hear them and that they're there and I'm able to stand up and spank them. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Men of God, Obed Edom, worshiper of Edom. God has called you to be a worshiper of Fairfield. A worshiper of Susun, worshiper of Vacaville, worshiper of Solano County. This is the part I like. He was a man. It doesn't even mention his family, but because one man, one man became a worshiper. The presence of God fell on his house, and the Bible declares his whole family was blessed. If your family ain't blessed, Maybe your name is an Obed. You're you're kings. And kings have to rule righteously. The Bible declares this. Watch this. When kings rule righteously, the people rejoice. But when they don't rule righteously, the people will mourn. Those people are your family. If you're ruling righteously as a king and a man of God, If you become a worshiper, your whole house will be blessed. Even when kids, because, you know, there's foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them, like whipping eggs. God wants us to die to ourselves so that the presence of God will come to our lives. Amen? Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast, but we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.